0: Hello, everyone. It's August 28th, 2020. There's one more week of summer. And we're coming to you live with the episode 19 of the Light Shed Podcast. Hello, fellas. How are you?
1: It's uh, it's hard to believe summer's almost over. And we're still in we're still dealing with a pandemic.
0: I guess, yeah. Um, but more importantly, Rich, how do you like our Zoom filters that we're using today? These are cool.
1: I don't really understand the pirate. I mean, it makes me think of Pirates of the Caribbean, and you just don't look like Johnny Depp. It always
0: comes back to Disney. I do look kind of like Johnny Depp, like a younger one, though, like a more handsome version. Do you agree? Well,
1: you you can say younger. I wouldn't
2: use that word, but that's
0: okay. (laughs) What about Walt? Johnny, what is Walt? I'm trying Walt- to
2: think I'm trying to think of when Johnny Depp didn't look completely washed out. Is there a younger version <laughs> of him? What movie was that?
0: That's it? that's that's the version that I look like.
2: But So you're thinking like, like twenty one Jump Street 50. Walt? Oh, that's that's I'd have to go back and look at that one. It's possible.
0: Did, so isn't Johnny Depp in some Deux Deux Is isn't he in some lawsuit now, by the way?
2: I think so, yeah. Nasty divorce or something. A like nasty
0: that. divorce and his wife defecated in his bed. <laughs> I missed that part. <laughs> Thankfully. Thankfully he missed that article. That was not like a National Enquirer type thing. That was that was legit news. He yeah. claims that in the court case. But I'm not sure Walt if you look like Andy Reed mm-hmm. with the visor and the headset and the mustache or the actual French look that you're going for here. I don't
2: know if I got the headphone down now. I can go more. That's, lead, that's like, red.
0: that's, yeah, that's, that's some Andy Reid stuff. Like, I feel like
1: he's also got a little John Cleese going, you know, like on those tres. Have you ever saw that, you know, that
2: show?
0: That was just Thank silence as, as we
2: weren't registering. Yeah. Thank you, Zoom, for our filters.
0: Okay. One more. One more. What, ab- what about this one, Rich?
1: All I can think about is Real D. Like, God. all I think about is Michael Lewis telling me that everyone was going to sit at home on their couch and watch 3D movies from home. <laughs> That's all I can think about.
0: All I can think about. I think this is the second time we brought up Real D in like four weeks. Actually, pretty amazing. They've had, they, right. <laughs> they've had a, a, a real, no pun intended, impact. Um, despite the fact that I don't think anyone else in the world has talked about them in like five years,
1: uh, and just think about it, like 3D glasses in a world of COVID sounds absolutely gross. Like, just not happening. Like, right? Like, I think, putting I think
0: on? It, I think it was gross anyway. To be honest, yeah, it's not happening. Okay, let's let's All get right, this let's, started. Let's get to the podcast for real, real. <laughs> oh, I love. So
1: uh, the first one is uh, Mayor Bill De Blasio tweeting out. Take it from a true New Yorker, New York City will sure as hell be back, and it'll be back stronger than ever. And it's an opinion piece on Jerry Seinfeld saying, so you think New York is dead, brackets, it's
2: not. Take it from a a true New Yorker who authored that where?
1: Uh, Meaning, where was he located? Not in New York City when it was
0: written, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, he was in the Hamptons. Well, I guess that I is I mean that's that's like about. kind of a that's, that's you know what that is I think the new Yorker who shuttles between New York City and the Hamptons is kind of what New York has actually been about for the last 10 to 15 years at least as I've seen it it's been a place where that has gotten prohibitively more expensive and is ultimately for rich people I think it's become more and more homogeneous um and right. <laughs> i'm serious right, exactly no I, you're it, right it, it's i, I sorta, didn't think about the aspect of it, it. Like, it what, it's what is true. the true new yorker the, the exactly so when everyone's happens, like, like oh with his apartment exactly oh new york is dead you know what it's possible mm-hmm. that the new york that we've seen over the last 10 years mm-hmm. is dead mm-hmm. at least temporarily but i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because the New York that I knew 20 years ago, and you know, you guys are a little older, maybe you knew 25 or 30 years ago, which was much more diverse, that had a lot more of a tightly packed um, diversity of culture with new restaurants that were affordable and living space for artists and, and people who didn't work on Wall Street, I think that New York might come back. And this could ultimately wind up being a very unfortunate forest fire, which kind of clears of the those backs.
2: aspects of New York are coming back based on the amount of dirt that I see on the street these
0: days. <laughs> like <laughs> that's the like, that's like of, the yeah. New York that I used to visit when yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, and I was like, scared shitless going into the city, like grabbing onto my mom's leg. Yeah, I think a lot, not exactly but the same, I I, I think this whole New York thing, honestly, though, is like everyone's like New York is dead or New York's not dead, and there's really even in that Jerry opinion piece, there's no supporting evidence. First of all, New York is never defined, right? Um, and death is never kind of defined, and everyone's just like, oh, New York is resilient, New Yorkers are resilient. There are real changes, structural changes to New York, as evidenced by the fact that we gave up our office space, and by the way, when I went in on Monday to collect stuff, there were only now three offices on our entire floor that had any stuff in it,
2: the other okay. change we're seeing also is out in the burbs um, where I am. Um, you're seeing a lot of these true New Yorkers moving out here now. I don't know whether it's permanent or not, but clearly the real estate market in Westchester County is, has been um, heating up bigly.
1: Uh, I was talking to a New York uh, tech startup CEO this morning, founder, who was like, I'm moving to New Jersey. Like family, kids, like just doesn't want to be... Dealing with schooling and everything that's happening in New York city over the course of the next year. And I just, I feel like honestly,
0: New York city, maybe look, there's amazing things about it. No one loves it more than I do, but there's also a lot of it is a huge pain in the ass for a lot of people. I watched you go rich, go through the whole schooling thing that you just brought up. And we all live in tighter quarters than we'd be able to afford anywhere else. Um, when we're in New York City, uh, th- there's there's a lot of the subway. There's a lot of shit that we all put up with. And I think there were people- I haven't been on psych- a subway
2: since COVID started, by the way. I um, by the way, I recently was able to become a member of Clubhouse, which for those that don't know is a new app where people basically- are identified and, and they talk and it's not recorded. It's like a new social media app, I guess. And in Clubhouse, a lot of the discussion is about this. I mean, some of the, you know, it's heavily San Fran, LA, Brooklyn people. So it's obviously a certain demo that's that's overweighted, but they're all talking about the same Overweight concept.
0: Overweight affected by this.
2: Correct. And but, but they're all having the same concept as far as giving up their apartments and moving out and doing this and doing that. And, you know, I guess going to Austin or wherever they think they're going to go to.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I think part of this is also just how long this lasts, which sort of leads us into our our next slide, Brandon, which is, you know, are we going to get to a point where we actually feel comfortable Um, being around other people? Why don't you read this for us? Because I think it affects a lot of the companies you cover.
0: Okay. So Dr. Sanjay Gupta on August 26, breaking, Abbott just announced they have been given emergency use use authorization for a rapid antigen test. They say 15 minutes, $5, greater than 95% sensitivity, and no machine or lab required. Adding they have the ability to make 50 million tests per month by October. So to me, as we wait for a... A vaccine or a widespread vaccine, this this is kind of the best possible news if you're a business that relies on the gathering of people, because I've seen how this test works. And essentially, or at least I have on CNN, um, essentially, you do your little nose swabs, not the one all the way up, you, you put it on the thing and, and you hand it in, they put whatever solution on it, and within 15 minutes, you read it on the app. Um, and if you don't have COVID, it comes up green. So what- right. It's have, sort of like what's happened in, in Asia, a, like- Yeah, you have a situation where people can get passports for a day mm-hmm. or two days or three days. So imagine this, you go to Madison Square Garden, right? and they scan your ticket, and then they scan your passport, your barcode that says that you were tested today, and you're good to go.
1: Well, it reminds me of what was happening with you know Disneyland overseas in Hong Kong or Shanghai. I forget which one it was, but you basically had to show a green QR code, not just to get on the subway system, but also to get into the theme park. You literally have to have a green QR literally. Right. You have to have that, that that green QR or you can't get in. And I think that level of safety relative to the temperature checks, which obviously oh, mean the nothing. Te- the for
0: temperature it. checks are almost completely meaningless since like, what, 40% of spread comes from asymptomatic. I know that number has been deb- debated, but some meaningful amount. Uh-oh, Walt just coughed. I'm getting worried.
1: Um, no, but I, I think this type of testing would make people feel a lot more comfortable about movie theaters, concerts, and, air travel, theme yeah, parks. It's, it's kind of all It's of kind those of a things. dream.
0: And by the way, that's why I think you have um, Live Nation up like eighteen percent or whatever it is this week. Makes sense. I haven't spoken to them. I don't know to the extent they're actually going to be. This is practical. Right. I think one misconception is a lot of people thought this was an at-home test, and it's actually not. You have to, you still have to go someplace to get it done. But I sure, sure. I don't want
2: to trust someone doing an yeah. at-home test to get well, into the same I, I, stadium I'm going exact, into. Exactly,
0: exactly. But let me tell you something. I, I would be the first person in line to get this done if it meant me going to New Year's Eve at Madison Square Garden.
1: You know what's up. This, so everything comes back to fish somehow. Like, I mean, that's literally what, you know. It, does, I, it doesn't just, just come
0: back to fish. I don't, you know, but I do love music.
1: Well, talking of music or musically, that's become TikTok. We've got big news this week in Ke- Kevin Mayer, the the CEO uh, who came from Disney. So Kevin was running all of direct to consumer and international at Disney. He uh, quit a few months ago to take the role of COO of ByteDance, as well as global CEO of TikTok. He's now left and and exited TikTok uh, just ahead of what appears to be a sale. I mean, it looks like Monday morning, we've got two offers on the table. It appears as one of the tweets here from Alex Sherman says, Walmart confirms interest in TikTok and says it's pairing up with Microsoft on a bid. The other bid appears to be from Oracle with a bunch of the um, previous owners uh, or the current owners of ByteDance seem to be involved in that bid. So you've got two major bids. It, it sort of feels like Microsoft is in the lead, Brandon, at least wh- I guess it feels that way that they have been
0: they were earlier Microsoft, on this. Microsoft, Walmart, which, which is interesting, right? Because I, I guess Walmart wants to turn it into an e-com platform and i think later on we're going to talk about some of the things that facebook and instagram are doing um, with checkout and so on and so forth uh that is interesting i don't know about execution i don't feel like microsoft has executed that well on the acquisitions that they've made uh, just to start with and walmart is not a tech company they may be looking for a tech multiple now everyone is the way this market (laughs) has been. Um, But I I would be pretty skeptical about execution there. On the other hand, with Oracle, at first I was like, Oracle, that, you know, that doesn't make sense. But then if if you actually start to think about it, they really are a data company.
2: I, and I think that's the key. Wait, what does that mean, though? Like, well, just because you're a data company, you're going to run a, a, a service that no, has no, a no. bunch of media content? I, I don't wait, see. The wait, wait, hold there. on, let's
1: let's just step back. No, no, no. Remember, him, the, just the said government Oracle said. Is a data company, I, I understand so what's the connection. But, well, the government said that well, the only I'll companies that up. can buy this, as a majority owner, have to be someone who is a tech distribution platform. So it it really so limited fine, the number
0: of the bots, yeah, yeah. but but he's sorry, he's asking why Oracle. It wouldn't make sense sense at all. What we have talked about is the ability to iterate on the algorithm. And that is data science. There aren't that many out there that have the chops to do that. I don't know that much about Oracle, but theoretically, it it seems like they would have a good chance to be able to continue to iterate that and Look, they, I, they deal with the, the most
1: interesting aspect wax, to me of all of UI this
0: and all these other things yes it's more in a sort of uh enterprise uh,
1: I'm, I'm with walt here i think that yeah, i think yeah, oracle I will kill this you're thing. i think they will you. literally that, that
0: was, kill uh, this thing uh,
2: that was a that was a hell of a, a leap uh, you know acrobatic what acrobatic twist and turn no, you're right Walt. justified it's a base, fucking enterprise base, company like, right. give me a fucking break base, <laughs> oh,
0: all right let's let's put like, it like at least walmart no no but you guys are right when you're right you're right you're right I think it's, I think this thing is fucking dead either way. No, <laughs> no, but, 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 but let's,
1: let's talk about Walmart for one last second. Do think, <laughs> like, <laughs> like just, just imagine for, forget about whether they integrate e-commerce even more significantly into TikTok, which we already know they are.
0: Yeah. Well, they already have.
1: Started. What's interesting about this for Walmart and shocks me that there aren't more media companies wanting to help out Microsoft is the data, right? Like the beauty of what this is, right. Is that you've got, You know, fifty million US households. That's why we don't want
0: that's why Trump doesn't want the Chinese to have Sure. But
1: you got fifty million daily active users in the US. That's Uh a huge number. If you're Walmart, that's a lot of data on what people are interested in. Just like Amazon uses all of the data on all the other things that you do, whether it's video or music or Twitch. All of it is I mean
0: there 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 are signals. There isn't a clear right now, a clear interest graph in in uh tiktok but, no, but that it, but the I ai tells you that's part of the playbook for over time right i guess
1: so let's just well, since you mentioned it we'll just jump to to, to facebook for a second um okay. i pulled this up just because it relates is that you know facebook checkout or sorry instagram checkout which we had actually written about on the blog of you know several months ago uh, which was pretty limited i mean it was you know 100 plus businesses, mainly in the US, were using Instagram checkout. The biggest sort of explosion that we've seen you know, in the the, the retail world, e-commerce has obviously just gone completely vertical everywhere yeah. you look. Facebook's been a huge beneficiary or Facebook and Instagram have been huge beneficiaries. So they're rolling out Instagram checkout to every single business. And so now no longer do you have to go to the actual retailer's website, you can use your on, you know, in Facebook or in Instagram credit card, check out instantly, no leaving to go someplace else. This feels like it's going to be a very big driver of just the smoothness and and make it even harder for businesses less for Facebook. Well, yeah, but you also become basically
0: indebted to to Facebook, right? Like
1: you can't leave. I
0: will, I will tell you this. I will buy a lot of shit on Instagram. I kind of already do. I I never actually use or wear any of it, but for (laughs) out of boredom, I I buy t shirts and stuff on it.
1: But this is taking a whole step out of the process, no longer entering your information. Like it's literally just click a button and buy.
0: Yeah. I mean, which is kind of, I don't know like fully what the Shopify integration looks like, but I do love Shopify checkout.
2: Do you think I can get one of those part in my French visors? No, you can't. So anything I bought on Instagram for me has been like buying something on a 1-800 television show back in the day. It's garbage. And when you buy stuff on Amazon, um the benefit is you know you can argue that there's fake reviews and things like that but there's yep. a there's a better higher quality purchase so i've i've made a mistake a couple of times on buying something on instagram um and i've regretted it i think 100% of the time cuz it's garbage so i don't know if it, facebook yeah, is going to be different in terms of your friends actually recommending the product but i've seen stuff on on facebook as well and it seems like the same garbage that they're trying to sell on instagram yeah it's all garbage I, obviously. Uh, so is that really a sustainable model that you're going to build a huge revenue stream on? Because in Amazon, I'm a very satisfied customer with you know, in, most of the stuff that I purchase and I, can return, and I can return it all very, very easily. Where with Instagram, when but, I got a piece of garbage, there was no well, way to return it.
0: There, I think there's two types of commerce, even when you're in the store. There's kind of like lean back and lean forward, mm-hmm. I would say. And Amazon to me is, you know what you want? Yep. And you go and get it um instagram to me is sort of the end cap sure but that's like a full t- me once shame on me
2: full me twice and to, how many people actually do that though I know, like, you well, know I'm i don't know idiot. if that's a real because business I keep buy, because I keep buying really?
0: but there are real brands also like nike i bought stuff from nike on mm-hmm. instagram um other yeah. kind of major brands it's, we'll it's almost like mall shopping used yeah. to be you go and you kind of browse through the mall and you see something that catches your eye and you uh my
2: town my town has like you know you have these town facebook groups and in our in our community people go crazy about all, yeah, all the yeah yours stuff, is but crazy yeah, you've heard some stuff in some town literally some shut down their, literally shut down their facebook literally group. but they also have sales like where you can buy Workout equipment or what from other people, so I think that kind of stuff works. But you know, marketplace, the the market, kind of where, where yeah, we're correct, basically yeah, what I eBay mean, or sorry, you know, what we're Craigslist used Facebook to be making off of that. But like you know, that, that that seems to work. Okay, what do we got next? Uh,
1: next, we've got uh, sort of a continuation on last week's big story, which is Epic versus Apple. Uh, we've got you know sort of we'll start with Mark Erman's tweet, which is Judge in Epic versus Apple case says she is inclined in quotes, not to grant relief for Fortnite's removal, as in to not force Apple to put it back on the App Store, but is, quotes, inclined to not let Apple block Epic from developing, distributing the Unreal Engine. Inclined is, quote, not a decision. You want to just, in in English, Brandon, what does all that mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) first of all, to me, it means that, um Apple is gonna probably win the overriding case, right? But the game engine piece of this is also extremely important. It's not be, beyond Fortnite directly tied to what this case is about, except for the fact that Apple came in, I think as a fuck you and was like, okay, anything developed with the Unreal Engine, which is a lot, and I mean a lot of games um, at the at this point. Um, we're, we're just taking out of the app store, which would neuter um, the mobile business. Uh, and it's neutering companies
1: engine. that are not involved in this dispute directly. So it, it would really be hurting third parties to this lawsuit.
0: Yes. And then every all the third parties would either have to go back to their own sort of private and um, en- game engine uh, that they create, which is more manageable for AAA game developers, um, or they would probably have to hop onto Unity. Who just? But I presume this is idea. also
1: when you read that first part of it that you know she's not inclined yeah. to, to to force I mean, it to, back into the App Store. That means to, this could be off the App Store for a very long time.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, and it also means, you know, as of now, Apple's probably winning the main case, which is what we kind of thought was going to happen.
1: Right. The part we didn't know, though, is on the second tweet here, it says that— and this is actually—this is an email my daughter got because she plays Fortnite uh, pretty regularly now. So she got an email saying, Apple's blocking—this is from Epic Games— Apple's blocking Fortnite updates and new installs on the App Store, and it said they will terminate our ability to develop Fortnite for Apple devices. As a result, the Chapter 2 Season 4 update, version 14— did not release on iOS and Mac OS on August 27th. Yeah,
0: I I didn't realize until you brought this to my attention that Mac OS was also um, affected by this, but the the game launcher for people who play on PC, on Mac, you. You can't play either. So, or you could play, but it's not updated. And, but
1: there have to be a lot of kids who play on Mac devices. I mean, I, 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 I would assume so. like much more. I, mean, I know mobiles a relatively yeah, small mo- use case. Mobiles
0: sub ten percent, like maybe way way less than ten percent. Um, with the rest being split between quote PC and console. I don't know of the PC piece how much is Mac. I know that most um, hardcore gamers use PC. But this game in particular is much more casual, so yeah, I, I the, honestly the email even
1: lower down. Brandon said, "Go get a PC and download it on a PC if you want to play the update." So, yeah, it's just I feel like that part of this story has just not gotten picked up. And if this is really like Fortnite will no longer work on Macs, it's probably a bigger deal than we thought. Just from the, the aspect of it won't work on mobile, which was a small use case.
0: Smaller, yeah. I Smaller. mean look i think that there when tim starts talking about the metaverse and how the the mythological metaverse and how that's all going to fit together mobile is clearly going to be a major component of it so i don't think this is necessarily about for them about the 5 or 10% whatever it may be that play Fortnite on mobile. I think this is about what things look like ten years down the road, and is Apple kind of controlling, um, or Apple and Google controlling the mobile piece of the metaverse, and what can and can't be developed for it. Walt, do you but, think any
1: Apple investors really even care about this, or this is just all you know, gaming App Store nerds that are like that are focused on this.
2: Yeah, I don't think an Apple investor really gives a shit how this is going to play out in the near term, unless it obviously legitimately threatens the price that you can get um, charge in terms of the App Store, because that obviously speaks to the services revenue. There's many components of the services revenue. This is not the, the sole thing that's going to impact that one way or another, but... Um, i don't know i don't think there's much concern that if you're running a business and you develop an ecosystem that's a value and protect it to your customers and this is what your customers want i don't think there's many apple customers iphone users that would want to let's say they put the android store in a store on there i don't think many people would want to use that part of the part of having apple is to have a secure um you know environment that you know when you download an app your entire system's not going to get screwed up um, like happens on your desktop and so many other places so We'll see. We'll see how it develops, but I'm not sure it's uh with the stock over 500. Rich, yeah, I don't think that's probably factoring into people's investment decisions at the moment. What you think? 2.1 what, trillion What dollars. is
0: factoring into people's investment? I mean, <laughs> what's that PE multiple? You know, you yeah. know what? Brandon? Remember when? Remember when Icon or whoever bought it? It was or Buffett. <laughs> it was trading at what? 14 times earnings. Is it trading at 44 times earnings now? I
2: don't know. It's a high number. So maybe it's Crazy. the fact that you can't get any yield anywhere. Although T-Mobile, I just learned that I can get 1% yield on my any bank balances. So Rich, you're a T-Mobile customer. If you want to get some yield on some of your cash, you can shift it into T-Mobile cash and get 1%. Can we do that with LightShed cash? <laughs> maybe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We we're getting a yield of zero on our cash, right? our light shed cash as of now. So, um,
1: okay, so we've got next topic is this whole IDFA, IDFA, which sort of plays off of you know plays off of what's going on at Apple, obviously. So Facebook says this is Kurt Wagner's tweet. Facebook says it will stop collecting IDFA info from users on iOS 14, claiming it will severely impact targeting and measurement for ads on the Audience Network. Facebook is considering getting rid of audience network for iOS 14 altogether. This is a big deal. And if you go into the actual post from Facebook, because they basically, it, it's a blog post from Facebook saying preparing the audience network for iOS 14. The interesting parts that we pulled out is it, it said obviously because of the ability to, you know, since you can't accurately target as well, they people should expect, or, you know, developers, app developers, and publishers should expect lower CPMs uh when the new version of ios 14 rolls out but then it also says in their tests and i'm going to quote this in testing we've seen more than a 50 percent drop in audience networking publisher revenue when personalization was removed from the mobile app install campaign so it basically means that app installs are going to be far less powerful Dude. than they were before I mean- the conversion is going to be a lot worse
0: I mean, this just completely undermines everything that was great about mobile, uh, and I guess social, uh, advertising, which, because which, you basically which, knew everything which, which about somebody extreme, and you could target your extreme, app installs, extreme targeting. That's what differentiated digital right from the, from a uh, TV, which you know we talk about all the waste in tv and have for for a long time and now this, there's going to be a lot of waste this, in digital this really under that this really undermines that differentiation number one uh number two i i don't know how it's going to shake out for i don't know uh in in the games world for for mobile publishers like king and zynga um who have seen you know a real growth in in advertising revenue over the last couple of years is is this going to severely impact them like facebook is saying it would impact them not that audience network is such a big part of their business it's like what three billion dollars or whatever but
1: no, but the whole idea of app install ads, you know, being able to target app install ads also really matters, right? In terms of acquiring new
0: users. Oh and yeah, I mean, like inability like to always, target as well. We're always, I mean, all these mobile businesses for performance advertising. It's all about what CAC being less than LTV, and now the question is, if you're in the actual advertiser, is does your cac go up because of this or stay the same because are you just simply advertising more right um more, do, uh, do you more buy more spots at lower cpm lower cpm I, I i don't i honestly don't know the answer to that and i think there's a lot of confusion about the answer to that I, obviously
1: I, it affects everybody the same like everybody's I, I, in a worse position
0: everyone's in a worse position but it's just bad for the industry in general
1: Right. It turns us, as you said, it turns you back into more terrestrial radio, linear TV, where you're just getting spammed with ads that you actually don't like. And so the holy grail of of places like Facebook was amazing ads, amazing targeting. I know Walt doesn't like all the products he gets on Instagram, but they are incredibly well-targeted, which is why you clicked on it. Now you're going to start seeing ads that are just not as well-targeted to you.
0: Yeah. And it, it makes the experience for the user shittier. I mean, if you think about Instagram, right? It, it's just a good example here. One of the reasons uh, I like it is the ads are actually good. I mean, right. I'm a sucker, as I said before, um, and I buy a lot of stuff <laughs> on Instagram, but um, but it's part. it makes the experience good that all the ads I'm seeing, I like and are relevant to me.
1: So what does this mean for Unity, which filed to go public?
0: Well, Unity... Uh, by the way, finally filed to go public. We've been talking about this um, for, for, it feels like years at this point. Are they going to get bought? Is Facebook going to buy them? Is Google going to buy them? Whoever else. Um, oh, and it's actually in that tweet here, when Facebook tried to buy Unity. Um, or are they going to wind up going public? They filed to go public. But yes, there's the game engine is obviously a huge part of their business. Also of a uh, as far as the growth story is concerned, is utilizing the, the game engine for other uh, use cases in other businesses, whether it's media and entertainment, automotive, so on and so forth. But like 50% of their revenue now actually comes from their ad network. So you do the math.
1: <laughs> right. So the, it, the same issues that you're just talking about related, you know, uh, to Facebook and publishers is the same. You know, essentially, all of these ad networks are going to be facing the same issues and the same challenges. As to, and the, not to mention the game developers that, you know, build on these platforms, but, which just like Unreal Engine, Unity is one good, of the other major platforms for that.
0: That's right. But and they're also huge in helping. Um, game publishers monetize whether it's through advertising or in-app purchases, so on and so forth, and that's you know, a, a large chunk of their revenue. But I'll say this: good time to uh, to go public now if you're in the games business. First of all, um, where we know what the what the trends are in in revenue and profitability, number one, and number two, if you're a SaaS business, I <laughs> mean, look at those valuations um and they have exposure to both so do we know why somebody chooses
1: do do we know why somebody chooses unity game engine versus the unreal engine of epic like is there an obvious choice why you choose one versus the other
0: um i'm not i honestly rich couldn't tell you i have not gotten that deep on on the research yet there are obviously incentives um whether it's in the epic store or some of the um uh, grants that epic has been making to developers to to utilize their engine but insofar as the quality of the development experience is concerned i'm not i'm not sure at this point i guess by the as we sharpen our pencils on this one we'll get there yeah
1: and it's also to me it's also gonna be interesting as this lawsuit plays out and and while it doesn't sound like you know they're gonna be able i to think matt ball will
0: tell you that definitely the unreal engine just blows it away technologically I, I
1: don't I I honestly I'm not gonna I, I honestly don't know I'm sure you know both of them um you know can do amazing things I just I I'm it'll be interesting to see why as we talk to more and yeah. more developers how they choose now because both of these are obviously are become bigger and bigger that's, focuses that's going forward
0: going to be a big priority
1: okay let's go on um uh, sorry uh, staying one last one on gaming before we move on is just uh, on yeah. Activision Brandon
0: yeah so NBA 2K I think was the first for uh, the next gen of consoles to raise the price to the. Base. When are we getting
1: the next gen of consoles? Uh,
0: this holiday, okay. So like, thank No one, no one even knows what the prices are or anything. Uh, how many are gonna exactly be available? There have been um, some pre-orders for PS5 that have that have started, but yeah, we we should have it both consoles for for this holiday. Um, But what's important here is that Activision with Call of Duty followed uh, take two in raising the base price for the next gen to $70. There hasn't been a price increase in a really long time. If you take the platform fee out to 30%, now you're talking about going from at $60, it was forty two. dollars um, dollars net to the publisher to what? $49. Hold hold on.
1: Uh, Just stop. Stop. The platform fee, which you just said is a 30% platform fee. So the platform fee that Apple charges to everybody is the same 30% that the PlayStation charges to all of the game developers. I just wanted to make sure it's not, it's not like Apple's picking a random number. It's it's everybody uses 30%.
0: That's right. Okay. Which I again I think we brought this back a lot it goes all the way back to like the first Nintendo, right? <laughs> right? <clears throat> but that's a 17% um, increase in let's just call it the ARPU uh, to the to the publisher, and prices haven't come up in a long time. So with little additional costs, that's you know that's mostly going right to the bottom line. That's a big deal.
1: And is there a reason why we keep buying video games versus like, you know, Netflix is on a subscription and Disney plus is on a subscription. Like why can't I just spend $5 a month and subscribe to call of duty or Um, one of these games? That's
0: what Microsoft with game pass would, would love to see eventually they're positioning themselves for that. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of different viewpoints on this my my view is that with video games many many people play just a few video games at a time so mathematically and especially in this games as a service world so mathematically it makes sense just to kind of like buy your game have it for multiple years that you play it and continue to play it and the upfront purchase makes sense. I think also the publishers don't want to cede control, um, to a, a a middleman. So they're going to hold back on their best content, um, from putting it into a subscription. And we could talk, you know, about, no, it just, it it, it just seems like it seems inevitable,
1: isn't it? Like, don't you think it's ultimately, and it's inevitable that we get to this or you think it never happens?
0: I honestly don't know. I I, I do think content is ultimately king. And this industry is controlled at the top by, especially on console, the the top 10 games, which is from uh, a couple of publishers. And I think that they're going to hold back from putting their content onto these subscription platforms for as long as possible. And Microsoft, you know, they've been buying studios. So so on and so forth, trying to pack more upfront games into um, into Game Pass and they're going to try and force change. But I'm not sure, so sure that it happens because I don't know that it solves a major consumer problem for many gamers, maybe even the majority of gamers. And, and Game Pass has been successful enough on those who are looking for variety, whether it's um, single player games uh or older catalog titles
2: 5g walt what do we got um this has nothing to do with 5g this is even though the the there's a hashtag 5g that is true (laughs) even though the chairman of the fcc put it in his tweet this has nothing to do with 5g (laughs) Um, but the tweet that you're referring to with your 5G lead in was uh, Aji Pai saying, breaking news. This is kind of like what Alex Sherman does his scoop, exclamation point. I hate that. Um, scoop. No offense to you. Uh, oh, Alex. No it's, no, it's not, not just Alex. Thing. Everyone does it. But um, the FCC just included, basically it's the CBRS auction. I'm not going to read this thing. The CBRS auction concluded it raised four and a half hours. Um So what is CBRS spectrum? It's the shared stuff. It's, it's you know There's some power limitations on it. Um, so the question now is we're going to find out who the winners and losers are. And look, Verizon, as we've talked about many, many times before, is deficient in mid-band spectrum. This represents some mid-band spectrum that they can use. They made a decision a couple of years ago when an auction got too expensive for them under a previous management team. Um, to basically buy a, a, a bunch of millimeter wave spectrum and talk up this small cell strategy. Millimeter wave spectrum, as you know, is just not performed that well because it just doesn't go far. But some media assets too. And media, but this is their opportunity to kind of get back in the mix in terms of having enough um, spectrum and in the mid-band. And overall, because they've got the most customers. I mean, they've got whatever it is, 110 million customers more than anybody and they're still converting many of them um, to unlimited and look rich as you know people aren't still aren't um, streaming as much video as they are just kind of watching on a managed service so they're gonna need capacity so this is CBRS for them is capacity but the other interesting potential winners here would be Comcast and Charter and those companies are gonna use it to extend their footprint for one, and also to, for all their wireless customers, which we've talked about before, they're gaining traction, um, to have a way to offload capacity off of the Verizon network onto their own network, thereby saving money and being able to produce margins. But let's focus on the first part for a second. If the spectrum is good enough for Charter and Comcast to deliver broadband services to someone in their home, why then would it not be good enough for Verizon to do the same and offer a competitive service? Now it doesn't. To go back to the, your first statement, it doesn't necessarily have to be 5G. It can be LTE. It can be, you know, basically whatever technology that they elect. But having a ton of spectrum close to someone's home, you know, is going to provide the capacity to, to open up some of these some of these new applications. So so it's fascinating. I and mean, Look, this is a precursor to a much bigger auction that's going to occur, or it's going to start in December, which is the C band auction where Verizon can get much more spectrum. Um, but you know, I, am guessing that when the, when the winners of this thing get announced, you're going to see Verizon as the real winner.
1: Is there anyone else who could surprise outside of the cable companies? So it
2: would be, I mean, look, at and um, is people are concerned about the amount of debt that it has. And obviously there's been a lot of focus at that company to reduce that debt. Um, it's possible though, that they took a chunk of the spectrum away from Verizon, So, if that happened, which I don't think many people are expecting, um, that would put more pressure on Verizon to bid even more aggressively in the C-band auction. Um, I don't think you're beyond, you know, like an AT&T or T-Mobile coming in to try and usurp and um, what's known as foreclose on the spectrum opportunity that Verizon has. Um, We'll see if that happens, but again, we we should know fairly soon.
1: And, and for cable companies, I presume if if they are meaningful winners of spectrum here, uh, there is going to be capital that needs to get spent in order to then go out and enable them to offload that traffic from the MVNO onto their own proprietary spectrum.
2: It's you know it's the capital investment thing. I think it is largely overstated. Radios are so cheap now the architecture is such that the core gets virtualized so the radios can be commoditized down to companies like Fujitsu or Airspan or others you know so it's not the capex especially relative to the fact that what comcast has effectively burned over 1 billion dollars in their wireless mbnl so spending a couple hundred million in capex to put some radios that utilize this spectrum and let's say let's say comcast spent half a billion dollars on the spectrum they'll spend another half a billion dollars to roll it out but they, they um, release some of the long-term expenses that they're paying to Verizon. So they help the EBITDA margin. A typical Comcast investor won't even notice that. Um, so it, it's, it's certainly something that I don't think is going to be a huge hurdle for them. For- and will
1: quality of service change? Like, Will I get better experience if I'm on the proprietary
2: CBRS spectrum versus the MVNO spectrum? Well, given that um, Verizon is maintaining 110 million customers on the least amount of spectrum, you would suspect that that network is going to come under continued strain. And if you're a Comcast or Charter customer, you're using that network. So if um, Comcast and Charter then shift you to this new 10, 20, 30 megahertz block of spectrum that they have and that they've deployed, it's very likely to be a better um Service offering for you and a better experience for you as a Comcast or a Charter um, wireless customer in those in those scenarios. But I wouldn't get you know look it's I wouldn't get too excited about them like rapidly building that out. I think you know again one of the primary interests is extending the fiber footprint, um, but certainly it's it's something to think about. And also people are going to start questioning whether Comcast and Charter are going to open up their checkbooks for the C band auction, which is which could be tens of billions of dollars in, um, in aggregate. So that'll be a big question. I assume as we head into Q3 conference calls, everyone's going to start asking about
1: C-Band, I would presume. Yeah, and
2: I'm guessing that they're going to kind of downplay it as they always do, right? First of all, Comcast says very little. Charter, I think, is has, you know, doesn't Charter's want Charter's to... getting more aggressive with it. They, they do, but I don't think they want to scare people in terms of that free cash flow performance. I mean, do you think Rutledge is investing in the cable infrastructure right now to the to the <laughs> extent that it's needed?
1: I think they're just being very thankful that, you know, broadband demand has exploded with
2: everybody working from home. Hey, it's great. And likely man, a working from home are, for a while. Are, harpoos are going up. Um, I mean, I guess they could face some risk in the long term, but 5G is certainly not a threat um, in the near term. T-Mobile is slowly building. Um, Verizon's not going to have the capacity that they need to truly compete with the cable companies anytime soon. So like, there's really no incentive, frankly, for them to invest. They can just really just jack prices and wave in that free cash flow for the foreseeable future
1: and talking about you know as we talk about the fact that pricing is going up you know charter just raised video prices cord cutting is accelerating across the board in the industry and you know everyone thought sports was going to be the great savior i think you know brandon you were pretty vocal that you were skeptical that that sports ratings would live up to all of the hype and here we have the nba comes back first week of the playoffs yeah, first week of the playoffs, ratings were down 20%. And if you dig into the details in the article, it says ratings were down 28% in the 18 to 49 demographic. You know, it the hedge comment is, or the spin is, well, TV ratings are always down 20% plus this time because yeah. we're in the late summer. But like, I, I honestly, this is NBA playoffs.
0: I, no, I, Rich, I actually truly believe that there's something to it, especially in this year of COVID where people were bottled up inside for so long. I think, and everyone, especially in colder weather or places that become colder are are looking at a fall and a winter where you may be locked up again inside. I think people wanna be out and about while they can. That's number one. Number two is I do think that for certain sports, um, including the NBA, the experience of watching isn't as good. I think there are people out there who think this season's been cheapened anyway uh, by the sort of stop start, the start, start, and stop. Uh, so that's another one. People like me are just going to stop watching because people are just not Black talking Brown about the NBA playoffs. The I, 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 there's no buzz. It's, just, they're, it's they're, playoffs there really and there's no buzz. no buzz. I figured that there would be a pop and a drop when all of these sports came back and, it's, it's sort of has been that the one I've actually enjoyed the most uh, recently, the last few weeks is hockey.
2: Yeah. But that right. just
0: be because the aisles are kind of, you no, know, I kicking, think it's, I think it just, ass. it
2: just, it, it, I it think, think it just plays well better on television. Like the, the sounds of the game and the, the, what they've done with the crowd noise, which is not excessive or even close to what soccer, what soccer did, It just plays well better in this environment
0: what i was thinking about with regard to that is maybe it's such that when you watched hockey during pre-covid times the crowd wasn't a big part of it when you were watching on television where it was much more for the nba and for major league baseball so it's kind of more normal maybe i mean i just I, I i
2: don't watch i didn't watch a ton of either I probably watch more basketball than hockey just in general, but I just think the hockey, um, it just, it translates better without fans for some reason than, than basketball. Yeah, um, I think
0: it's because they weren't a big part of it. it. The fans weren't a big part of it anyway. When you went to the game, and that's what made hockey so much better in person than on than on TV, the crowd was a, a very big part of it, but not so much watching tv i just wonder how
2: that's going to translate in football i mean obviously the crowd is a huge part of of football games so i love that um sport uh, more than any um like many people so it just it's, it'll be curious to see how this is going to work and um, then mark yeah but, but remember by like, the way mark
0: just uh brought just lobbed in because mark and joe are watching this uh, a pretty good point which is that some of these games are starting at like 2 p.m so it's it's tough to comp against 8 o'clock games.
1: Right. Everything right is sort of Mark. disjointed versus what we're normally used to for when games get played. And there seems like there's a game being played on. There's always something on between hockey and basketball. Like, there's just – and then we got college football. At least some college football is going to start this weekend. So you've got kind of got so many sports happening at once. The U.S. Open tennis starts, uh, I think, next week. Like, we've got a lot of sports all at once, and they're sort of – almost in
2: a way they're all diluting, diluting each
0: other. Each other? Yeah, yeah, that could be also one sport that they,
1: well, they is not being diluted diluting anymore. each other
2: the last two days. Uh, that's for sure.
0: I, I, this actually just, as we think about the NBA and the NHL and what's going to happen next year, you, and the NBA has been looking to per, perhaps start the season as late as Christmas It it seems like with the season going much longer into summer, so they need to figure out whether this is a sort of fans in seats and the stop start, or whether this is because we're going deep into summer, because if it's the latter, then that's not something you want for the long term, because it's going to dilute your biggest product, which is playoffs and the finals on to wwe um, wwe look we've been pretty hard on wwe for uh sagging ratings lack of innovation hold on sagging ratings
1: while everyone is trapped at home that's right ratings and and
0: by the way we you just talked about the dilution of having a lot of sports or sports like content on at once um these guys had world to themselves they were the only ones creating new original content and ratings were absolutely horrid for a long time uh but now you've seen i think both raw and smackdown up edging over two million viewers not good i'm not going to say this these are still well below
1: what you thought a year ago
0: of course um but coming back a little as they've rolled out the thunderdome which it's had its own problems. There was the issue as they brought audience in with uh, someone with a KKK sign, some other uh, crap in the audience, but the creativity and ingenuity seems to be paying off a little bit. People also like SummerSlam, um, which comes down to creative. So look, the, the story isn't fully written on WWE, and we're gonna, we're gonna wait and see as to how ratings play out over the next, you know, three to six. The ratings
2: aren't working for sports. Ratings aren't working for WWE. I mean, isn't that what's supposed to be key people in the bundle?
1: I mean, I think it sort of just shows you why every media company is pushing harder into streaming is that I, I, I think people are just giving up on linear TV. I mean, I think that's a big part of this is just, it, look, there's a group of sports fans, but I also just think that, you know, people are moving away, and I think it it should scare every one of these leagues that even with people sort of more stuck at home, ratings should be off the charts. Like e-commerce is off the charts. Like think about all the things, video games are off the charts, and sports coming back and the ratings are not even close to off the charts. Ratings are but down.
2: sports, which is supposed to provide escapism from the distress of – Um, potentially being on furlough, losing your job, you know, worrying about masks or not wearing masks and all these things, not being able to go to these places. You can't go to the movie theaters in a lot of places. Sports being this big escapism type thing. And yet it's not there. So this should scare everyone. I mean, this
1: should be a wake up call to everyone who owns a team. Something's wrong. Uh, Obviously look, we'll see what the ratings are for the NFL when it comes back and, um obviously that didn't get a delay that you know as Brandon was talking about there was no hiccup or or start and stop this is just a fresh start
0: um, baseball didn't have a start and stop either
1: baseball didn't have a start though sort of like
0: right like it was <laughs> <Baseball's a disaster.
2: laughs> and it's an extremely boring sport but...
1: <laughs> okay let's move on um uh we've got this story that it's actually a couple or almost two weeks old 10 days old but I just stumbled upon it and I thought it was fascinating so uh, it's this w- woman named Grace Randolph, who I honestly don't know, but I've got a big scoop for you, big as in all caps. Scoop. I'm hearing Disney Plus <laughs> is definitely and definitely is in all caps creating an, ad- creating an adult section for Fox and Touchstone content. You'll need a PIN code or something like that to unlock it as it's parental controlled, uh, blah, blah, blah. That's not so, what I think
0: about when I think about an adult section.
1: What w- What's interesting about this is Disney has essentially created – different verticals. So they've got, you know, Disney plus is all sort of family friendly content, you know, even in movies like splash, they've actually covered up Daryl Hannah's derriere. Like they've gone out of their way to edit the content um, so that it, so that it, you know, it really is family friendly and they've kept all of the more aggressive content or, you know, more mature content like Deadpool, which is a Marvel film, but Deadpool's on Hulu, not on Disney plus because it didn't fit with the sort of content guidelines of Disney Plus so they've created Hulu they've had ESPN Plus which has the UFC and they've walled off Disney Plus as a safe place and now overseas they're talking about creating Star which is a essentially like an overseas version of Hulu with all of the Fox content this this tweet which again there's no follow up on this and no one's really kind of commented but the the concept that all of a sudden there's going to be adult content inside of disney plus has me wondering whether disney is having second thoughts like maybe disney is looking at the hbo max model or the netflix or amazon model and realizing everything needs to be in one place i don't know whether they're delaying their analyst meeting or whether they're having second thoughts about what they recently announced but i think this would be a really big deal if, it, if it's actually true brandon
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I mean, you in particular have been uh, a proponent of pulling Hulu and Disney into Disney plus into one service. We know that they want to add more quote adult content uh, through star in international markets. And I guess we'll see what happens. They might be reversing course. This is a you're saying on the Disney Plus. Yeah,
2: this is this this reminds me of maybe Apple like allowing the Android store on their phones. This is not going to (laughs) happen. This is not going to happen. You know this is not with the brand, you know? Like I know why it should happen and what you're saying in terms of having a broad enough offering, but like this is what they've built their brand on. So like- But the
0: difference you, between that and what you were talking about with Apple Android is that they own this content.
2: Right, so sub-brand it, put it somewhere else, but don't put it in your bundle. Yeah, that's what HBO Max is done. So right.
0: it's, okay, it's but just it's the building separate, of, it's these, of these super SVOD services. That are meant to touch everybody.
2: Well, HBO yeah. Max has plenty of diverse and interesting. Yeah,
0: that's right. That's and so, so the and question Disney is, is, is gonna Disney going to follow is trying to break it apart into but this is our kid? That was brand. always the HBO we'll brand. That was the, brand. That was the HBO brand. Like, brand. Disney
2: brand is a different It's just a different brand. I'm not sure how that goes in the same we'll, D We'll funnel. see how
0: they decide to merchandise all this content. It's an interesting find though, Rich, and I had not seen that either.
1: So we got a couple of last stories, Spotify podcasting. Everything's obviously been all positive news for Spotify and podcasting, you know, taking Joe Rogan, going with Michelle Obama, like it's been deal after deal nonstop. One of the first podcasting stars of Spotify, Joe Budden, who had a Spotify podcast is actually leaving. And what's interesting is there's a public statement from Spotify that says, uh, we made a significantly larger and many times the value of the existing agreement and reflective of the current market and size of his audience. Unfortunately, we could not come to terms uh, and we respect his wishes, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's interesting that we, this is the first sort of quote unquote loss uh, of a podcaster and, and not just a loss as Lucas Shaw in this tweet kind of highlights. He's actually pretty aggressively going after Spotify on his on his on a recent podcast that he had. He actually talked pretty negatively about Spotify and seems pretty angry. I don't know if it's that he's less of a focus because they've hired people that are um, far bigger than him. I guess time will tell. I, I think there's some topic- jealousy
0: about the other Joe.
1: <laughs> it, it could be. It, this could be totally jealousy and and focus or greater competition where he was sort of alone for a while as kind of the, the only kind of big exclusive player. I don't know, but it, this is certainly a topic we should all be keeping an eye on uh, to see if, if other podcasters yeah. are happy or frustrated.
0: Yeah. I think that is important. And then where does he wind up going and how much are other platforms willing to pay for him? Are we truly going to see the start of streaming wars in audio, right?
1: Podcast wars is this podcast, podcast audio wars, wars yeah. all over again? Yeah,
0: I, streaming wars.
1: And then l- last topic. By for the way,
0: this Spotify stock is still up, so their stock goes up whether they get they get they pay for new people or people leave and they save. Money.
1: Well, t- to be fair, <laughs> I don't think a lot of investors know who Joe Budden is the way they know who Joe Rogan is, and so True. I think in terms of high profile. As much as Budden was a huge player and was one of the top podcasters on Spotify for a long time, I just don't think he has the visibility among investors that some of the new talent has come in. The last topic is just on sports betting because we've talked a lot about it on the on on this podcast. Uh, this is from uh, Eben Novi Williams. Breaking: NBC Sports has inked a sports betting partnership with Pointsbest USA. Worth nearly 500 million, NBC is taking a 4.9 percent equity in the operator, with an option to buy up to 25 percent of points bet after the deal is done. So now we've got Fox has done a deal with you know with uh, essentially FanDuel. Flutter uh, has acquired assets uh, related to that. Foxbet, right? With Foxbet, we've got Barstools done the deal with Penn, uh, DraftKings. Um, we, you know, we we talked to Ezra last week on our on our uh, on Light Live. This whole space, and, and I, I guess so, I by the way, the is, now MGM.
0: A, is now a good time to announce, not to interrupt you, that we're going to have Davy Day Trader on. We will on later Light in Shed September. Live. We will. We will. This, this is very exciting because, um, I really need some PA help. Okay, go on.
1: Hopefully, it'll work out better than when we announced having Kevin Mayer on Lightshed Live, but, <laughs> you know, um, that I yeah, kept so getting
0: well. delayed, and then we find out why. <laughs> Uh, but no, but maybe, but maybe here, we'll have them on anyway.
1: But but it is sort of amazing how every single media company, quote unquote, legacy media company, is now rushing into the sports betting space. Everyone looking at it as the savior for linear ratings. Obviously, the bundles getting worse, but everyone's sort of looking at this, and it's it still seems hard to imagine how all of these players can quote unquote win in the sports betting space, uh, especially when gambling economics far outpace. The sports betting, yeah. Economics.
0: I mean, look, we've looked at all of these companies. Some of the valuations seem tough, but I guess valuations seem tough in general in this market right now. So,
1: and look, the theme is obviously there, and everyone is excited. Of course, the
0: theme. Of course, the theme. Is I, there, I get that just, part of it I, don't, but it, I don't know if stock prices are necessarily grounded in reality right now.
1: Well, and competition keeps heating up. I mean, presumably MGM, IAC are not in this just for what they've done. I presume there's more of a roll-up with IAC involved. That's been Diller's sort of MO over time. Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's that a wrap right? on episode 19.
2: So, since we had so much of Scoop, should I take us out with a little Kanye? I don't know if I can actually insert the music. Maybe we can edit that in after the fact.
0: do scoop. Scoop dee dee whoop.
1: Whoop dee scoop dee poop. Poop dee scoop dee.
0: Scoop-dee-whoop. whoop dee Poop-dee-dee-whoop-scoop. Poop. Poop. Scoop-dee-dee-whoop. Whoop-dee-dee-scoop. So, Rich, we have a, We haven't have discussed Peacock in, like, five episodes. You know,
2: I, I actually want to throw one last wild card question into you, Rich. Sure. Because um, we talked about Apple, the $2 trillion company, and Disney, and staying clean to their brand. I mean, if I'm Apple, if you're if you, Rich Greenfield, are Tim Cook running Apple, and you're sitting on what is arguably a very highly valued stock free cash flow, you have three percent. And Disney is what it is. Like, should Apple make a run at Disney?
1: Yeah, you know, look We're at Trento, that. Like huh? <laughs> look, if if you could just buy the intellectual property of Disney, yes, I, I think you could make a strong argument.
2: But how do you sell that to the shareholders? The shareholders are going to say,
1: I'm going to buy the IP. So you sure, got to buy but the, the whole enthrallada. Of- but, but the problem with buying the whole thing is that you're getting theme parks. Sure. The content, a lot of it is tied to, you know, the Fox content still going to HBO. The Disney ABC content is going to TV
2: stations. You're going to own and be controlled by, you know.
1: Apple's going to have to deals deal with the
2: FCC. Deals can be messy. Apple stock is ripping. Disney stock has not been as great. Maybe you think it's still overvalued or right. maybe not. But obviously, this seems like strategically a time that two companies that have good relationship, um, you know, obviously, yeah. Apple services has done very little other than maybe launching some radio stations in 2020 or whatever it is. I, so I honestly, I don't. The only thing I would push back on. I don't think major? the
0: assets fit together strategically. I think, okay. it's, I think it's a financial transaction, yeah. if anything. Um, but that's my opinion.
2: And you has- can, Brandon. You can punt a lot of the stuff that are well, not strategic to the company, right?
1: I also think Apple thinks they've done more in content creation in year one on Apple TV Plus. We, we others may think it's a okay, failure, but I luck. think Apple feels pretty confident with how well they've done in creating content from a standing start in uh, uh, the yeah. last Who's eighteen talking months. talking
0: about any of that content? <sighs>
2: Right. So you think they're satisfied with where they're at, right? And, and like anything, like, a winning t- it's like it's like when the Eagles were winning and then no one really cares and then you lose a couple of games and all the all the bumps come out. So when your stock's at over $500, you're not talking about how your services business is decelerating. You're launching radio stations as a service offering.
1: Correct. It's, it, we may think of Apple Music as not as successful as it should have been or Apple TV Plus is not as successful as it should have been but it certainly isn't negatively impacting the stock.
0: No, but the stock's going up for other reasons, right? And I don't know how fundamental those are. Right, so you've got are. this
2: incredible currency that you know, look, they're buying the stock back right. at the Did same it, time. Like
0: what do you do what do you do with the currency? That that's a that's a great point, but that are are you is there a financial transaction out there for you?
1: I, I just think because I know, don't know
0: what's necessarily strategic to them at this point.
1: Apple wanting to own theme parks and
2: well, at one point, Netflix was, and, at one point, Tesla was. And I honestly- you know <laughs> what? Luck, you know. I,
0: I never, I never believed that Netflix should be bought by Apple because I think that Netflix needs to be Switzerland. And its power is in how wide its distribution is, and any limitation to that distribution, I thought, would undermine the value of the company. I think the same thing for Disney Plus.
1: It's also hard to imagine, given and the Disney the antitrust hearings that just happened in DC. It's hard to imagine Apple buying and the buying. bullshit
0: that's going on with Epic.
1: Yeah, it's just it's hard to imagine controlling that level of IP, that amount of IP. Um, but we'll see. You know, you've also
2: got Apple doesn't believe in movie theaters. Currency now, though. Well, what do you mean by controlling that much IP? I mean, Apple controls very little IP. So it's just a different owner of the same amount of IP with marginally more that Apple, Apple has developed. So what's, saying, the, what's the antitrust issue? Well, you would, you'd be controlling. Apple would then be the largest
1: provider of content to movie theaters in the world. 50% okay. of movie theater content in the world would be controlled by Apple. And if they want to basically destroy the movie theater business with one flick of a pen, they
2: theoretically could.
0: I guess Disney my guess is,
2: anyway, though, right. But is I now, look, hold on, Apple's got movie theater content that Disney doesn't. That's material. No, no. But, so but Disney Apple transitioned that away. So what, so what, how does the acquisition change their strength in killing the movie theaters that Disney couldn't already do today?
1: it just makes it it theoretically it would make it easier to move it to a transactional move it away from movie theaters and into the apple world right like you could say that the only way to get this movie now is through apple but it's
2: not increased share i'm not sure what the antitrust argument there is
0: um did the podcast just end No, (laughs) is that a mic drop?
1: (laughs) No, I I, you know it's it's a it's a great question. I you know I think the 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 reality is is Apple could would certainly have more Apple would have more incentive to change the economics of the of the of the entertainment industry. That's for sure. That was the
2: argument against AT and T and saying that they were going to have the incentive not to license out their content. And I'm not sure that obviously hasn't
1: played out. That's true. It hasn't played out at all.
2: And there's a disincentive, as Randall said at the time when they were getting approval for this thing, to not do that because obviously they would be foregoing revenue that they're you know spent a lot to develop the content for. So,
1: yeah. Although I would say bringing in Jason Kylar is sort of a strong sign that that they're gonna change things. Like, there's no way you're bringing in Jason and you're not gonna begin to change things over the next few years. Like, I'd be 100%. shocked. We, so, we, yes, we know what the They're not there is. today, the but I know Max what he's strategy. going to do over no. time. Is gonna be more innovative and more movies will go direct to HBO Max and avoid theaters. Like there is going to be a shift. It won't be a switch, but there is gonna be a shift.
0: Coolness.
2: Cool. Good dialogue. Episode nineteen. Episode nineteen topic,
0: Walt. have a great
2: good luck for everyone trying to send their kids back to school this week. I know it's tough, but hopefully we can all make it happen.